Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Mental Golf Show. I'm your host, Josh Nichols. And today's episode is going to be kind of introspective. It's going to be a little more about myself and what I'm working on and how I'm still trying to improve. I I got an email from a listener recently, and this listener is actually a regular emailer of me, and we've had some awesome email conversations over the months of doing this show. Um, they pointed out to me recently that they've noticed how I hold myself to an outdated standard. And uh, so what do I and they mean by an outdated standard? So as they pointed out, they, they can kind of tell how I expect myself to play like I did three years ago when I was at my very best and practicing my most. Yet now my life is as busy as everyone else's. I mean, you know, give or take. Uh, but my life is filled with working other jobs. You know, as I've said, I work for my parents' wedding venue. I work for my parents' refrigeration company. I help them with those things. Um, I do that a few days a week. I I have a wife now that I, which I didn't have three years ago. Uh, I own a house now, which has just been a year. Uh, not to mention working with other golfers preparing their games to be the best they can be. I truly don't have the time I once did to play and practice and dedicate my entire life, basically, to improving my game. So how do how do these how does how does this shift in expectations or really stagnant expectations, how does it manifest? in real life? How does it actually look when I'm on the course? So it shows really strongly when I go into a round of golf, even if it's just a casual round with friends, I expect my shots to all be predictable. Yet often I have a two-way miss. I mean, I, I line up here, sometimes I miss it way right, sometimes I miss it way left, and it's really kind of unpredictable. I try my hardest to pick good conservative targets, like the pin is tucked on the left, so I'm going to aim three, four, or five yards right of it. I mean, I'll, I'll take a 15, 20-footer right of it, but I still somehow manage to miss greens on the short side, and I leave myself with nasty up and downs. And I still feel mostly good over those nasty chips, and I remember the days when, as my friends and the, the guys I would usually play with that were my skill level, that we'd play against each other and kind of were sparring partners, they would say, every time you're over a chip, you look like you're going to make it. And I remember that. And I remember getting that confidence and feeling those high expectations of my chipping ability and living up to those expectations every time. Yet now, I a lot of times I struggle to get it within 15 feet, and some rounds I really struggle to get it on the green, especially this time of year when it's wet, dormant, matted down Bermuda around the greens. Uh, where I live uh, in North Carolina, it's like it's 
it gets pretty tough around the greens during the winter. Um, I mean, it's it it requires a very precise touch. And used to that, I would practice and prepare on those lies all the time and felt very good over it and would actually hit good chips and it would kind of baffle the people I was playing against. But now, I mean, it's it's quite often I, I miss the green on chips. And and I right and now I hit my driver so right so far right sometimes that I don't even recognize myself. I mean, I'm lined up middle of the fairway, maybe even left side of the fairway to allow for a little fade, and it will go right of the right trees into the adjacent fairway. I that's that's not that was never something that I would concern myself with three years ago. And my putter, oh, my putter. (laughs) Once my best friend in the whole world, who I could depend on to come through for me when I most needed her, she now abandons me and leaves me alone and afraid. (laughs) Regularly, I I feel like I'm I'm holding a, I don't know, like a ruler on on the end of my hand, on the end of my hands, and I, I have no clue how to just swing it. It just it feels foreign. It feels like this foreign object. And that's just it just was never never an issue three years ago. So my my own bad play and my still high expectations, despite how much worse I play now, those are things that I think I've known but they've only kind of been hovering in the background of my mind. I've, I definitely have not attempted to actively work on my expectations the way I should. But in fairness to me, in fairness to the mental coach who thinks about these things all the time, I haven't been totally negligent about working on my own mental game when I'm out playing. I do work on things. I work really hard on my own commitment to my target. And commitment... And, you know, picking a target and fully committing to it, it has been a regular topic of conversation with my players. And it's been a a common thread and a common theme of podcast episodes recently. So when I go out to play, and I've gotten to play a a decent amount over the last month or two, it's been front of mind for me. And, and it has actually shown real benefits. Committing, paying attention to my commitment level has shown real benefits. Being totally in love with my yardage, club choice, line of the greens, it's, it's allowed me to just let go and hit it. This has helped me have better trust in my own ability, which is hard. It's hard to have trust in my own ability with as little practice as I'm getting. I... I could so easily get in my head about where the ball might go, I, you know, because I, my shot dispersion pattern is definitely not as tight as it used to be. So I could get in my head about where it might go. I have no clue. But I'm able to set that aside better when I can fully commit to the shot. I, I just pick, pick my target and I let it rip. And, and it's, I, I keep that very simple. But as good as my commitment has been and how my trust in my own ability has improved, my biggest struggle is still acceptance. I always say the three pillars of the mental game during a round of golf, during preparation for golf, during 
you know, before, during, and after a actual golf shot is commitment, trust, and acceptance. And I've done pretty good with the first two, the kind of the pre-shot two, commitment and trust. But the acceptance, I I definitely still struggle with. And it came through, it, it must come through in how I talk on these podcast episodes because the listener told me, a very insightful, very smart listener told me it comes through and they can tell that I still struggle with acceptance. I still get mad at myself for not hitting it where I want to. So as the listener of the show suggested, I should do the math of comparing my practice and preparation now to when I was at my peak and then try to ramp my expectations down proportionately. So my best golf was mid-2017. That's when I, I played I played a ton of tournaments in a row in the summer, or a ton of tournament rounds in a row. It was three tournaments. I played the Triad Amateur, and then the North Carolina Open, and then the Forsyth County Amateur. I played those three back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. I won the Triad Am. I won the NC Open. And I finished, I don't know, top five in the county am, Forsyth County am. So, and then, and then a couple months later, I, I finished runner up in the U.S. mid am. So that stretch of golf, mid to kind of fall 2017, was my best golf, easily, easily my best golf. And at that time, Mid-2017, during the summer when the sun would rise around 6 and set around 9, my schedule would usually look something like this. So I'd wake up about 5 a.m. 5.30, I'd drive to the gym. 6 to 7, I'd work out. 7.30, I'd I'd come back and eat breakfast. 8 o'clock, I'd head to the golf course. From 8.30 to 10.30, I would would head to the driving range. I'd, I'd do... Uh, a big chunk of my time on technical practice, hitting a lot of clubs in a row. Then I would pick some random targets, jump around uh, with my clubs. I would um, go through my full routine for a while. And then I would do some measured practice where I would hit, you know, 18 shots to 157. And I would measure how far I landed from that target. So that was two hours on the driving range of really highly focused driving range, not just beating balls. And then 10.30, I would head over the short game area, kind of do a similar proportion of practice with short game. Then 11 to noon, I would I would do putting and also similar proportion of block practice, random practice, measured practice. And then noon, I'd take a lunch break for a couple hours. Then I'd come back to the course. Uh, at 2 o'clock, I would do a pre-round warm-up like an hour long, as if I was about to play a tournament round, pre-round warm-up of, you know, 30 minutes on the putting green, uh, 10 minutes chipping, 20 minutes on the range, and then head over to the first tee box. And from three to seven, I'd walk 18, playing with, you know, two, one, two, or three highly competitive, great amateur golfers. And we would compete and... um and like focus and try to shoot good scores and try to beat each other. So four hours of an intense round of 18. And then from seven to nine, I'd chill. And then nine o'clock, I'd go back to sleep. And the next day I would do it 
do it again. And, and I would do that six days a week. I, I would, I would do that schedule or very, very similar six days a week. And now on days, fast forward three years later, now on days when I practice, it looks something like this from nine to 10 AM, I'll go hit range balls. And from 10 to 10 30, I'll putt. And that's really it. I might sprinkle in a few chips. I might uh, only hit range balls for an hour and a half or two hours and then come back home. I, I might only putt because the range is closed or because I'm tired or I don't want to spend the money on the bucket of balls. And that's really it. And that's not to say, as a quick aside, that's not to say like I'm I'm chained to my house and I have to come back. It's not like that. My my wife says, please go play golf. Please go to the golf course. I I love it when you go play. Um, you're you're happier. You're getting to do something you love. So it the the first response is usually wow. Or the maybe what I assume people think is. Josh's wife really doesn't let him go play, doesn't let him spend the money. No, that's not true. I get a great budget for golf. I get a great time budget for golf. None of that is an issue. But the things in life uh, surrounding golf are kind of compress my time. I mean, I, I think most people listening to this can relate. But I get to spend an hour and a half on the course, maybe uh, once a week, one day a week, every week or two. Um, and that's really it. So the schedule from three years ago, let's do some math. The schedule from three years ago was a total of 3.5 hours of highly focused practice and five hours of kind of tournament prep, highly competitive playing and pre-round warm-up. That schedule was designed specifically to help me improve as much as possible and simulate the feeling of a tournament. And I would do this six days a week. And now my golf schedule is probably 1.5 hours of semi-focused practice roughly once every two weeks. And what do I mean by semi-focused? Yes, I, I'll listen to music. I'll listen to podcasts. I will sometimes stop halfway through to scroll Twitter or see how my wife is doing or... Uh, communicate with a player that I'm working with. Um, so yeah, that 1.5 hours is not even that focused because of the things in life. And I might play one round of 18 every week or two. And I've gotten to play a little bit more recently. I've, I think I've played three or four times in the last couple weeks, so that's nice. But at my peak, over the course of a week, I would have spent about 20 hours practicing and would have played probably four or five times, whether that was nine or 18, and usually walking. So that makes my current practice and playing time roughly, give or take, I mean, you could do some real math. I don't really know how to do the math, and it varies. It makes my current practice and playing time roughly 10% of my former time. 10%. So what I do now times 10 was what I used to do three years ago. So to take the challenge of the listener of the podcast who emailed me, I need to proportionally ramp down my expectations. That means expecting 10% of what I used to expect. 
And therefore, that will make it much easier to accept my now lackluster results. So, how am I going to do this? How will this how will the rubber meet the road on this? How can I proportionally ramp down my expectations to a tenth of what I used to? And, you know, I don't know how you can measure acceptance or or measure expectations rather. I don't know how I can like truthfully only expect 10% of what I used to expect. I mean, I used to expect to shoot 65 every time and and resoundingly pummel my playing partners into the ground. I every time I would go out and try to shoot the course record. So uh, 10% of that, I'm not really sure. <laughs> I don't know how to quantify that. But we can maybe qualitatively try to do this. As I write this, now, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I'm going off some notes. So I have, as I write this, but as, as I'm recording this, I'm playing golf today, later with a friend. Uh, at 1230 today, uh, a friend and I are playing. Uh, we set this round up to, to just finally get out and play. We, we're both married. We both have jobs. We both have houses. So we just wanted to set aside time to get out to the golf course. And the Josh of recent months, he would go into this casual round wanting to track stats, have an acute focus on my shot dispersion pattern, <laughs> And I would attempt to shoot around in the 60s. Truthfully, I would. And um, and I'm capable of it. I know it's in there, but it's it's still unreal expectations based on my my lack of preparation, my my current level of preparation. So recently I I played a round of golf in like mid 40s and kind of rainy precipitatey flurry type weather with one of my players and I think I shot 76 from the tips of that course and he shot like two or three under I mean he's a ridiculously good player one of the top top players in the state and um and and he shot two or three under he you know beat me by 10 and I shot 76, I think, and I thought I played pretty good. Like, I felt really good about it. I had some awful shots, but I felt pretty good. I I don't know that I expected to shoot in the 60s because of the weather, but I thought I played pretty good. And it was more about him that day. It was a it was a session for him. And before that, I played with another player who who's one of the top junior players, like top three junior players in the state. And I, I'm not sure what I shot. I probably shot around 80. Um... And then I played nine more recently with a couple of my players, and I shot maybe one, two under, or even. It was better weather. Uh, I played up a tee, um, but again, those were sessions. So all of these sessions, I kind of maybe with an average of mid-70s, mid to high 70s. But I still, like today, just this casual round on a decent weather day, I would still go out wanting to shoot in the 60s. But... Josh of today will experiment with full acceptance. My goal today is to have zero judgment of myself and where the ball goes and what the results tell me about my skill level. I am simply going to be outside doing something I love with a friend.
I, I'm not going to expect a certain result. I'm not going to expect a certain quality of ball striking. I'm not going to expect a certain number of greens in regulation. I'm not going to expect to, to make over 50% of my eight, eight footers. <laughs> I, I'm just not going to have these expectations of myself. I'm simply going to get to be outside, get some sunshine on my face, get to swing some of my golf clubs and be with a friend doing something that we both mutually love doing. And and I'm going to see how that level of acceptance, level of expectations does to my enjoyment, does even does to my quality of play. I I I will still have a score at the end of the day. I I can't ignore that. So I'm going to see what that does to it. And and hopefully I'll get to report back to you how it went. Um, we'll see. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just not going to have any expectations. I'm not even going to have expectations of myself to share it with you. <laughs> and, and the moral of this whole story is to, to commend you also to try this, to, to look hard at your own expectations of yourself relative to your preparation level to say, I, I prepare this much so I should expect this much of myself. And maybe your maybe your preparation level is higher than mine, maybe it's even lower than mine. So you should expect that level of yourself proportionate to your expectations. I mean pr- uh, proportionate to your preparation level. So anyway, I I think you should try this. Take it from me who used to be a high-level amateur player. I I can say that with full confidence. <laughs> Um, and who is now a mid-level amateur player, maybe low-level, not really sure. Can't really compare myself because I don't play that many tournaments anymore. But take it from me who has, who has significantly dropped his preparation and skill level to, to, to try to adapt my expectations to my new current reality. And try to do it for yourself. Okay, thank you so much for listening. I hope you got some uh, some value out of this. If you did, share it with somebody. Say, you know what? I, I've noticed how you expect way too much of yourself and you get so mad and you never practice. I think you need to work on this. Listen to this episode. This guy used to be a great player and now he's kind of a so-so player and... He's working on his expectations. He's working on getting less mad at himself when he doesn't play as good. He's working on it. I think you can too. Listen to this. So share it with someone who you think needs to work on their level of expectations, level of acceptance, level of anger management during a round of golf. I would love that. That would mean so much to me if you shared it with somebody. And if you want to share your own experiences with me, email me, joshlukenichols at gmail.com. I would love to hear your experience with this. And you can follow me on social media, Twitter, Instagram. I'm at Josh Luke Nichols. And on Facebook, I'm Josh Nichols Golf. You can kind of see uh, when the latest episode is available. Um, and you can follow the Mental Golf Show on Twitter and Instagram as well. I, I believe it's at Mental Golf Show on both places. Uh, I try to get out, uh, I try to post 
when the most recent episode is available there as well. So yeah, follow me on all of those. Uh, only in virtual world. Don't follow me in real life. That would be creepy. <laughs> Why? What's with me? And uh, talking about where I am and my current location and whatever. Thank you for listening. And I hope to get, catch you guys tomorrow. See ya.